Time out. We're taking an ad time break. If you've ever gone to a game, if you've ever gone to a sporting event, if you've ever seen football on TV and in some capacity, you have seen the brand home field. It's the premier brand for uh, college athletics. Every team's got one, not Texas State yet. But if you use code SQUARE at checkout, you get 15% off your order if you're a first-time orderer on home field. If you're a home fielder, you get 15% off your first order on home field. And then 10% off if you're a returning user. So if you're a Longhorn fan, you want to go support the Longhorns and also rep the podcast, use code SQUARE. Same thing for all you Aggies, Baylor Bears, whatever else you are out there. Soon, I'm casting a spell again. Texas State, speak it into existence, right? That's what the future we want. <laughs> Use code square out checkout too. That's homefield.com. Use code square. Tired of winning the tailgate, but losing the games? We can't help that. But we can tell you what the hell is up with each team and what's going on across sunny San Marcos. Texas State fans, get on your feet. You're listening to Squaring Around with Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel. Welcome to the Squaring Around podcast. It is your co-host, Andrew Zimmel, and recurring guest, Jacob Rodriguez, going through another week. It is rivalry week, Jacob. Rivals. Rivals. You getting your engines revved for UTSA? I live here, so this is the only away game I get, really, I feel, you know? Uh, look, or not I'm, away gonna... game, home game, I should say. The only home game that you get. We're going to talk to the guys from Alamo Audible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, formerly Alamo Dome Audible, and then they had a whole cease and desist letter that was sent to them. So, oh, okay. Anytime so, you get to go against the Alamo Dome, honestly, is a win for Jacob. It's a big no. Well, I was did not know our friends were in legal trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do want to take the next five minutes to hang out about the Baylor game because we have not gotten together to talk about the Baylor game. For sure. It's the first time I'm seeing Jacob since the Baylor win. Jacob, uh, you were in the stadium. First thoughts, go. I was so proud to be a Bobcat, dude. Like the the feeling I had for our institution, for Texas State, for San Marcos and like the, all the sur- surrounding communities. At one point, I went up to Kef and I was like, dude, this is good for business. Like I see people investing in San Marcos. I see people investing in Texas State and the athletics department. And that was, I mean, I was on text and live for DCTF this week too. And they were what? asking me about it and they were like, when when did you know that you guys were going to win the game? And I was like, I mean, late, like the whole time, every, anytime Baylor got back on the field, I was like, you know what? This Texas state run has been fun, but this is when Baylor finally shows us that the big 12 is the real deal. David Randa is bouncing back from coaching. That never happened. The entire time I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and talking to our friends from the between two bears podcast last week and them telling us like, Hey, look, those fortune tellers. Have fun with what your little team is, but like, listen, you're going to go to Baylor, you're going to lose, and then you're going to move on to UTSA and you're probably going to lose again. To have that win was humongous. Uh, dude, I, I texted some of our friends and I said the Charlie Sheen line, uh, Tiger's blood. I, I got Bobcat blood, bro. I couldn't sleep the next, the next day. I was up till like three in the morning just vibing because of the Texas State win. Um, biggest win since we won the national championship. 
uh, in 82. So this is huge. I was, I was so pumped. I'm so proud of our guys. The only thing that would have made it better is if it was I was in that press box with you. That's the only thing that could have made it better. But watching it 2,000 miles away, I uh, I had I almost shed a tear. I was so excited, dude. All the but, you know, advanced stats and stuff that we get into the in the press box. I, I Chris Coots was texting me the whole time, like different things and stuff. He had a group chat with all the Texas State reporters in there, and he was just showing us the different things that this team was doing. I could not believe what Texas State was doing as I was watching it live in person with no commercials. It was fucking crazy. Like I've never seen us really even convert third downs before. And we were, we had some insane stat on fourth down conversions. You know, we were taking shots down the field. The biggest thing that was crazy, you know, like I, I thought Ashton Hawkins had way too many drops. You know, if you had asked me one player on the team was going to have a big game, I would have bet my entire house on Ashton Hawkins. See, I think Ashton Hawkins, that was your big surprise on the disappointing side, the defense in the red zone. Dude, Super crazy. shocking. I did not expect this Texas State defense to look as good as they did, dude. I, I thought that losing Zach Spavadol was like a big loss. It doesn't matter. We just we replaced all the talent on the defensive side of the ball. We looked great. And if we do that this week against UTSA, we're going to be 2-0. Yeah. So Jonathan Patkey is now taking over Jake Spavadol's little brother's, uh, you know, title as best DC ever, basically, in one game. Jonathan Patkey. Pretty much. No, straight up, like, pretty much. Um. Yeah, so I wanted to, but I wanted to just roster bait a little bit about this. You know what I mean? I wanted to go back and forth because this is this is the biggest win in Texas State history, and dude, I mean, like, crazy man. We're gonna talk at the end of the podcast with uh, new predictions uh, for the season, but first, here's our guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Squaring Around. We are here with the Alamo Audible guys. Andrew, the first question I have for both of these two gentlemen with us on the screen is should Frank Harris even be playing football right now? What's up with that, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he threw three picks, but, uh, you know, his leg didn't fall off or anything. Like, he's just rusty. I don't know. I mean, he ran pretty well. Well, just like, like physically, you know, like he's oh, like a bigger picture. Fo- he's is like college moral- He's yeah. college football's Alex Smith. Like, is it ethically responsible for UTSA to put him out there? I, I have had people ask me that question. And look, he's a grown man. He's like 24, 25 years old. You know, he can make those decisions for himself. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think he has like this massive NFL career in front of him. Oh, for so, sure. It, he know, doesn't it's, anymore. It's now or never. Right. So, you know, if I'm him, I'm going to play as much as I can while I can until they, you know, stretch, stretch me off the field. God forbid. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be playing personally. And it's yeah. advantageous, too, for UTSA fans to say, like, you know what? He's putting it all out on the line for us. And it's one of those things where I agree with you. I don't think that the uh, professional career is going to be maybe there for Harris. Uh, but you know what's even better than a pro career? Being a local legend. And there's mm-hmm. a chance here that for UTSA, he turns into the guy that no matter where he is for the next 40 years, UTSA fans talk about him like, hey, that was our quarterback. That's the best quarterback that we had for this stretch of time. Yeah, he's but well, I mean, he's well on his way He's already there. He's already there before this year. So right. he didn't need another year to, to get that. But status, now, you know, you know I mean? he sacrifices, like, let's say he's like a like a G.I. Joe that you play with too much when you're a little kid, and you can tell that the knees gonna come off at some point. If he leaves it all out on the field for you guys, you know, that you'll forever be indebted to this guy. Like, oh, you know, hey, that's it's Frank Harris. That's the guy that left it all on the field for us. 
He's losing his kung fu action grip. Yeah, as we yeah. see him. I mean, he could very well be the first roadrunner to get a statue, I think. But it, at, at the rate he's going and what he's already done, but if he, he's able to replicate what he's done the last two seasons again this season to a degree. Yeah, I mean, the dude will never pay for another meal in San Antonio, another beer in San Antonio for the rest of his life. And, and, and that should be the case as it is already. What's funny is that if they give a statue to Frank Harris before they give one to Tim Duncan, that would be wild for San Antonio. But hey, that's something that UTSA could get done. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Duncan never won back to back. That's all I'm saying. Frank Harris did it back to back. So I'll be honest here, as as a Texas State fan and somebody who grew up around San Antonio, I liked San Antonio until I went to Texas State. I was always like, all right, you know, let's hope UTSA does something good. Uh, and then I went to Texas State, and all that goodwill went out the window. I will say the most annoying thing in the world was being in North Dakota, where I am currently, and having to have the Frank Trailer conversation with people up here being like, is this one of the best college football coaches in the country? It drove me insane. And now that we have uh, GJ Kenny, I feel a little bit better. But for the, like two years, Frank Trailer was like the, con- and I think he still might be, the conversation in college football. Kind of walk us through that. Like, when do you guys know that he was the guy? You mean Jeff Trailer? Jeff Trailer. What did I say? He said Frank. Oh, fuck. See, there it is. Jeff Trailer. Dang, that's it. We'll, we'll fans across the country are just dancing on your grave as we. Yeah, so I call, college game day said it was a Frank Wilson led squad last weekend. So you know you you weren't that bad off as, as college game day host. Well, me and Lee were like this mental capacity, you know, <laughs> mental capacity wise. Yeah, for sure. We we both get fed porridge, and you need pictures to pick your picks. Uh huh. Am like... I a stroke victim? Maybe. So Jeff Trailer. When did you guys know that he was the real deal? I mean, he arrived on campus with that swagger. And sure, like, you love to buy into that because he was talking the talk. But you can't buy in after, you know, the the first initial press conference. But through that first season, man, you started to kind of see him putting together a foundation. And then 2021, everything takes off. Everything starts falling into place. But his very, very first game that he ever coached was against Texas State. And that was that unbelievable back and forth contest roadrunners end up pulling it out 51 to 48 this was back in 2020 covid season and uh man that was that was an electric game to watch the Dome was empty i don't even think they had fans of the stands but it was an electric game to watch and you kind of thought all right is this his uh arrival sure enough 2020 goes we kind of have our ups and downs but you see like the fabric of this team getting stronger because it's the same roster that we had under frank wilson and they were they were a team that was in absolute shambles playing underneath that guy. Here you have the exact same guys. Now they're putting something together. But I think more so than what he was able to do winning-wise, it's what led to those wins in, in building a culture. And, yeah, it sounds so corny probably, but, like, I've never, ever seen a team buy into what their head coach is selling so much and so well. And, and like, you know, he talks about the – triangle of toughness and the culture pillars and this and that. And you're like, all right, okay, we get it. But then the players start saying the exact same things. And that's whenever I kind of had that moment, like, oh man, this guy's, this guy's building a culture and these guys are buying it. And sure enough, the on-field results started to reflect that. Right. So I think that was the moment for me. It was kind of in 2020, you saw it getting put together, but in 2021, like all these guys are throwing up the triangle on the sidelines and, and you know, we're voting on single digit jerseys and there's this just tremendous buy and he starts throwing in the area code and a part of things two one zero. 
for me, it was like, okay, we're buying whatever this guy's selling. And then he had it come out to life on the field. Yeah, and I think for me, I I still think to this day the 2020 season was Jess Trailer's best coaching job so far at UTSA. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look through all, you know, it's COVID, obviously, first year there, worried about the transfer portal. He didn't have any guys leave in the transfer portal when he got there, which like just never happens. You know, it's like so rare. Uh, so the fact that he was able to accomplish that even before the first game started was insane. And then like the injury started to pile up throughout that year, right? And he hasn't had, you know, multiple recruiting classes to build depth and go get transfers and stuff like that yet. So like the resiliency that team showed in 2020, like had me feeling pretty good by the future of the program, but that 2021 season opener where they went on the road to Illinois and beat a big 10 team on the road. That was when it's like, okay, the hype train is like coming off the the rails right now. Yeah, right. You knew it was uh, and as you guys know, that first power five win is what really takes it the next level. Uh, but that 2020 season, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like if you're someone who's been following the program for a long time, like he he was definitely destined for some pretty good success here. And I, then, hadn't, then, gotta, I hadn't realized y'all had y'all started in 2011 as an entire program. The very first yeah. year you guys played Texas State is 2012, and then yep. you know the rest of this four game series has been just UTSA dominating. Minus that one time Texas State came back in the Alamo Dome, and then we had that like, uh, what is it like fumble in the in the end zone from Tyler Vitt? Crushing the 2020 game went to overtime. Double overtime. That was the 20, yeah. yeah, that was the 2020 51 to 48. Yeah. I yeah. think there's only been one that was game in San Marcos in series, too. Jacob, that has been like really bad. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like, right? It was the one that it was in it was UTSA at Texas State. It was the year with uh Davenport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one that was yeah. yeah, that was the one that was really bad. But every other game in the series has been competitive at mm-hmm. least. You know what I no, mean? Yeah. It hasn't it yeah. hasn't been super one-sided, even though Texas State has not been on the right side of that uh, of game yet. Um, I think that's going to change. I think that's going to change in the next couple hours. That's why I think, like, this is still a rivalry, even though people say it's not. Is like, these two campuses do hate each other. I well, think. let me ask, you, ask yeah. them. Is this a yeah. rivalry? Do you consider Texas State a rival? Absolutely. A hundred thousand percent. This it's 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 so organic. I mean, these are all your peers that you go to the you go to one school and they go to the other. This this is the same group of friends that you had your whole life. Half y'all end up at UTSA. Half y'all like what you just said. You used to love UTSA until you got to Texas State. Now you hate them. If that doesn't uh, encompass what a rivalry is supposed to be, I don't know what does. But and that's exactly it. The close proximity to each other. The back and forth games, uh, you know, the 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 visitor crowd comes out in droves, whatever stadium we're playing at. Man, it's it's an extremely fun series, man. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize like the age of this rivalry as well. They've been playing each other in athletics since the eighties, right? Uh, for there's multiple generations of Roadrunner fans where like that was the only rivalry, right? Like UTSA doesn't have the storied tradition of playing North Texas, of playing Rice, you know, whatever. Houston, but they've been playing the Bobcats. I mean, forever, like longer those, than those, I've been alive. Those right? basketball games were insane back whenever I was at UTSA when Texas State would come to town in the Convocation mm-hmm. Center. Man, mm-hmm. I think we were talking basketball pre-pod. Yeah, I mean, you know, so the rivalry itself does predate football by several decades, and so no, it's it's totally a rivalry, man. I think baseball-wise, we just hit over a hundred games played since y'all had. I think entered too. So yeah, interesting to see everything develop basically as UTSA continues to build their athletics department. What do you guys need? Like what's the first thing on your checklist? Is it a new stadium? Is it more practice facilities? Is it like, what is it, you know? Specifically for football? Well, just in general as an athletics department. 
There's a lot of needs. A lot of needs, well, Jacob. <laughs> I was gonna say if, money, like, if money's not an object, I would say Yeah. Like if you had both. to pick and you were signing checks with whatever Qatari money AM gives yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, pri- private equity, roadrunner fund. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I would probably say a new basketball arena. Yeah. Like they're they're supposed to break ground on a practice facility for basketball, hopefully this year. Uh, but if money's not an object, you know, I'm I'm getting rid of the convo ASAP. When it comes to football, I don't know. That's tough. I would say probably like the money for the assistant coaching salary mm-hmm. pool. Like mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer, I think is still the highest paid coach in the group of five, but past the head coaching spot, you know, they're, they're not paying as much as some of the other top G5 programs for like their coordinators and stuff like that. And uh, that, that has hurt UTSA from a coaching retention standpoint. I'm pretty skeptical that those guys would stay at UTSA for a couple hundred thousand dollars if they're still getting more in power five program. Uh, but if nothing else, it entices better candidates in the future. It is easier or- to keep, some guys on that though, then like if you were in Austin offering the same thing, you know, because for sure Antonio yeah. is a lot more affordable. So that's nice at least. I don't know, man. I, I we're not gonna get into the economics of San Antonio versus Austin here. Yeah, I will that's say true. this. I will say this is that I don't even know if you can keep a good coordinator at a good school in the power five. Like because right, I think I of Riley at, at TCU who went to Clemson and we saw how that worked out earlier this week. Right. So it's just really difficult. I think just to keep assistant coaches period across the Alabama board. doesn't keep their assistant coaches. I mean, it's, oh, they're it's all pretty become head coaches, but yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say this too. Cause if you asked Jacob and I, like say three years ago, blank check, what do you need for an athletic program? We would have said a new AD. We would have just said top of the board, get new AD. So how do you guys feel about your AD? How do you feel about the athletic department as like a whole and where the trajectory is? Dr. Lisa Campos is the GOAT, 100%. As far as UTSA goes, she has done every single thing right. Uh, All of her coaching hires have been phenomenal. She's been at the helm for the coaching changes for football, for baseball, for soccer, golf, uh, women's basketball. And she's just brought in absolute studs with every single hire. Uh, the amount of money that she's brought in to the athletics department is pretty unprecedented. Like if you look at the bell curve for UTSA, the slope has dramatically increased in the couple of years that she's been here. And uh, she's thrown a hell of a lot of money at football and, and really, really prioritized it to, to try to get it to where it needs to be. And, uh, and she's a tandem. You know, we, we brought in a new university president right before we brought in uh, Lisa Campos. And, and they're both very like-minded in that they have incredible imaginations for what utsa can grow into and uh and expectations i should say um and and they're they're making it happen man they're bringing that that uh that visual to to fruition with everything that they're doing she's done a phenomenal job in in all facets and there's so many moving parts for her to be responsible for um most if not an enormous majority of utsa fans absolutely love dr campbell's yeah, and I think those that do criticize her, it's like she's a victim of her own success because those people have completely forgotten what this department looked like before she got here. Mm. I mean, it, it's just a nine-day difference. There's like three things that I think like you really measure an athletic director on. It's like positioning a conference realignment, building facilities, and hiring coaches. Lisa Compost has skins on the wall at all three, right? Mm. So it's like I don't see how anyone can possibly criticize her uh, for anything that she's done. I mean, it's been just a tr- total transformation. For this department and you know that's, there's a lot of other people that deserve credit too but she's done an amazing job that's a really good point because you talk about conference realignment we see how things shift texas state fans for the longest time got this bad rap of like 
for whatever reason, people thought that we wanted to be in the Big 12. I don't know why people thought that Texas State fans were like saying we should be in the Big 12. I don't know a single person who said that. Uh, but for UTSA, you're in an interesting position because I really do believe that the way that you mentioned the trajectory and if you can keep trailer around, the longer the better. Um, there's a chance here in a couple of years that you're too big for that conference. Do you think that too? Or because I've been thinking for a while that UTSA in the Sun Belt would be uh, really makes a lot of sense is my point. What do you think? Because I think that I think the Sun Belt's the best group of five conference. Um, do you disagree? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, really? UTSA, yeah, UTSA would get a lot less in conference distribution and the Sun Belt. I mean, maybe like a third of the money. Uh, the TV slots are, are less, right? Uh, they also just don't look like the schools in the Sun Belt from an institu institutional profile perspective. I mean, like they're all the schools in the American are large metro research institutions. Uh, most Sun Belt schools tend to be smaller, like regional campuses and stuff like that. Um, so I think from a UTSA perspective, they're exactly where they need to be right now. I mean, yeah. if you look at like the universities, like pure benchmarks for the schools that they like kind of a, a, a try to look like when it comes to spending and all that. What are those? Um, uh, South Florida is one. Uh, Arizona State, obviously, they're in the Big 12. Uh, I believe there's another one that's in the AEC as well. Temple might be one. Temple. Uh, but just like, you know, kind of schools that are research heavy that are in major universe or sorry, major cities, right? Um, so just so you a, think kind the of next spot profile. for UTSA is where the next conference up would be what the Big 12? I mean, I don't know if there is a next spot. I mean, they just got to the American, but I think really, like, if you're UTSA, you got to be thinking about what comes next because everyone knows like these superpower conferences are going to merge at some point and they're probably going to break away from the NCAA. So it's like just whatever they can do to position themselves to be in like the best of the rest mm -hmm. um, is definitely the way to go. Yeah, but I would agree with you. I think, I think UTSA is exactly where they need to be right now. Um, and the American Conference probably for several years is is going to do well with, with the competition that we have. But yeah, you look at a USF and a Tampa, we got a Temple in Philadelphia, you look at UTSA and San Antonio, two lanes in New Orleans. I think that's really a big harping point, Jared, is when you talk about large institutions inside metro areas. It's really what fits the profile for UTSA right now. And that's what the American Conference has gone after. You look at Commissioner Mike Oresco, he's all about big markets, big market share, so he can go and get good TV deals and better TV deals so that viewership number is better in all these come places. Come on, come on. You know, you know the big market does not matter, matter the exact same anymore with the with the way that cable's being cut and stuff like that. The metro markets, that, that doesn't mean anything with streaming. But then, like, nobody wanted that Apple TV deal, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. go ask the Big 12 or the Pac-12 about that. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. Like traditional cable does still work for sports, relatively speaking. And that's where the payouts the are coming from. Coming, yeah. And that's yeah. where the payouts are coming from. Streaming deal is not gonna not gonna give you a TV deal that you. And need. that's what I'm saying, and that's why I think the Sun Belt is geared up for a better success, is because they're connected to ESPN, and that the way that the, everything has looked with streaming, having all those games and all of their sports available on an app like that, like ESPN Plus, where it's bundled with Disney and everything else. To me, that's where the future is in that. Not the, okay, we're going to go after major cities and hope that we can get on their local CW channel. You know what I mean? Uh, well, the American Athletic Conference is also an ESPN property. All of the yeah. games are on ESPN+. Plus. That's right? They don't have any deals with CBS. I mean, I think the big difference outside of the money aspect is like the AAC schools are playing on Friday nights. 
Saturday morning games. Uh, you know, SMU is on ESPN Plus right after college game day Saturday morning against Louisiana Tech. Um, so it's kind of like the position of those TV slots are, are better for the American right now. Getting the primetime slot, right? And and the American Conference, not only can you be on a four-letter network, but you can be on a three-letter network, which you really don't get any bigger. Yeah, the that. Conference Championship games have been on ABC, I think, most of the years the conference has been in existence. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the full takeover of streaming will get here eventually, but it's not what's paying the dollars now. And uh, UTSA isn't trying to get a big paycheck in 10 or 15 years, they're trying to get a paycheck every single year. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to cash in while you can, right? You don't know how right. long. Exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. God forbid. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I like once the TV money collapses, it will at some point, then like, let's just throw all these conferences out the window and let's put all the Texas schools together. Right. And let's just have a lot of fun playing each other. Yeah. But for now, well, that's the, the, that's the question there, we get the most is like, why isn't UTSA in the sun? But why isn't North Texas in the sun? Why aren't all these teams just like, whoop, you know, like all the rivalries that would make sense, I guess. And Texas State still has a rivalry with UTSA, not on the football field right now. But, you know, we hope to change that on Saturday. What do you guys think is going to happen on Saturday? Do you guys, what reaction did you guys have just seeing the Baylor thing? Oh, man. Uh, I like It's like a, a mix of shock and, and not shock because I thought Kenny was an amazing hire for Texas State. I mean, I, I keep a list of guys on my radar for coaches I would like UTSA to hire if, if there was ever – you know, open spot and Kenny's always been high on that list. Well, not always, like since he got in card work pretty much. Uh, but even before that, like when he was at Tulsa, when he was at UCF, you know, it was a guy that I was hearing a lot about from folks that cover college football. So I was like, man, home run hire for Texas State right there. Happened a lot quicker, you know, than I expected. Uh, and TJ Finley was just like, that's not the guy that I was told he was. Like mm. I heard he was like super inaccurate, not athletic, not a good team player. And then he looks like a Heisman candidate out there against Baylor. That's so exactly that, how I me, felt. That, that was the most shocking aspect of it all, but also just the way that Texas State dominated the trenches uh, was just mind-blowing to me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, standing in the U of H stadium, watching UTSA put up a miserable 14 points of total offensive production, and then yeah. getting that notification on your phone that Texas State just put a 40-burger up on Baylor. da na na yeah, Things everyone was from, talking about it in the stands. You went yeah, from feeling bad to feeling worse really, yeah, really right. quick. Like, man, man. Maybe I, I mean, should like, have applied to that that school. Wow. UTSA fans' mind went into the absolute worst doom and gloom predicament, like in that in that five minute window. Man, it was brutal. The highly, highly impressive. I mean, what are you twenty six and a half point underdogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come out and put a forty burger on top of Baylor uh, in Waco at that. Kenny's very first game at the helm. You have 70 brand new transfers, which Dion did it too, right? With Colorado. Mm-hmm. So clearly that's working really, really well. Yeah. And Mike, to that point, Adrian, it's crazy. All these new players and there were like hardly any procedural penalties. I didn't see a lot of blown assignments. It looked like these guys have been playing together for three years. Like to me, that was just nuts. Hard to get a UTSA team that has been playing together for three and four years. We had eight mm-hmm. penalties on the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So big difference maker there. And I like that you bring up the UIW thing because, you know, you, you could say with, with 70 transfers into a program for the very first year, like what the hell do they care about a rivalry? Well, UIW's had uh, something in their gut towards UTSA ever since UTSA yeah. came out with a program in 2011. So all those guys definitely lick their chops at a chance to play the Roadrunners. So I think yeah. uh, that, that's going to exist even if it's their first year with the Bobcats. Uh, Adrian, do you remember the last year UTSA and UIW played in football? Was it 2019? 
It was only once. It was that 2019 season, I believe. Yeah. So there were a lot of guys on UGW's roster that were talking a lot of smack to UTSA before that game. I, I'm wondering if any of those guys might be at Texas State now. I don't They're know. Well Maybe be. they could be very mathematically old seniors could. at this point. Yeah, maybe yeah. I I don't know. They wouldn't have played. We in traded that game. centers. Too. Right, right. Our right. center went to 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 UIW, and then UIW center Caleb Johnson came to us. Oh, well, he wasn't nice. a center over there. He was a guard, but still. No, I uh, you know our history with UIW is uh, not the most storied Texas State's. So to have those guys come and win you games, it's kind of like mixed emotions. You're like, you know what? I absolutely despise these dudes a couple years ago. Uh, now look, I'm glad those voodoo dolls didn't work. Honestly, no, anybody that, David Duran hires at UIW is on a short list for, uh, you know, upgrades and stuff in the next quarter. He's amazing. He's one of the best ADs for sure in the FCS. And 100%. it hurt my uh, beating Baylor again. Like, you know, you want to beat Baylor. But it did hurt my agenda that FCS players, uh, it's a different level of competition than at the FBS level. Uh, between the Colorado win and then this one, uh, my, my agenda is kind of falling apart here. I, I watch North Dakota State play every week. I don't think that they're impre- that impressive. I think that UTSA would probably beat them. I think that, you know, Tulane would probably beat them. Um, and then, you know, Sanders goes out and throws for 500 yards against TCU. And UIW's team from last year essentially beats Baylor this year. So not not exactly great for the old Zimmel agenda. Yeah, that's a hell of a point right there, man. A hell of a point. <laughs> Had to consider that. But it's true, you know, the, 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 and, and this has been happening for years, right? The gap between the higher powers and the bottom feeders in college football keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I, I think the gap between the power five and the group of five is as small as it's ever been. I still personally believe that the gap between FCS and FBS is like noticeable enough that like the national champion at the FB or FCS level should lose by four touchdowns to the champion of the FBS level. Like there's no, there's no world where JMU a couple years ago should be playing against LSU. Right. But now it's like North Dakota state. Could they beat Texas state? Probably every other year. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, could they beat like, you know, UTSA? I, I, again, from last year, no Troy from last year. No. So it's tough. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough world I live in. I think a lot of those best FCS programs have jumped up to FBS level as well. So I mm-hmm. think that also has something to do with it. Another thing, like look at Florida State crushing LSU the other night on mm-hmm. Sunday. Their mm-hmm. starting tackle was from Lamar. And like UTSA played Lamar when he was there. I didn't, I mean, I didn't notice some stud out there. Right. But like with all the film that's out there with PFF, like that guy goes in the transfer portal and Florida State's on the phone with him a couple hours later. Right. So now, I think it's just think- really easy to move up now. This and this is going to lead to my next question. Do you think that there's like a kind of a, a conspiracy behind the scenes where like there's a guy who's really good at like say a UTSA or a Texas State, and they say like, hey, you know, maybe jump in the transfer portal, maybe get a DM from somebody. Okay, you think that that's happening? A thousand percent. It's okay. yeah. from so the second this NIL floodgate opened. Absolutely. Supposedly, UTSA players have gotten offers for six digits to just enter the transfer portal. What's up, Lane Kiffin? Yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, that stuff's obviously happening. I mean, you know, they go through the high school coach, they go through the trainer they work with when they're back home, right? There's ways you can skirt the rules. Yeah, it's 100% happening, no doubt. Yeah. Because yeah. No, no one's gotten punished for it. Like, why would you not do it 
if the NCAA is not going to crack down on it. Well, something uh, Jeff Jeff Trailers brought it to light. Jeff Trailers had these press conferences where he says they're in my kids' DMs. They're sending my kids text messages. They're sending, yeah. you know, and uh, and I'm like Jeff, drop the screenshots. Yeah, drop he's been the, the he's been the face <laughs> of NIL tampering, basically. Right. You know? right. Well, that and that's Absolutely. where I was going to go with this is how does how does Trailer walk that line? Because I truly believe that if the University of Houston job opens up, that he would take it. I, I think that that's like one of the only jobs in the state that like doesn't bring the headaches that like an A&M or a UT or a Texas mm-hmm. Tech brings. It's a major market. It's in Houston. It's an area that he has recruited really well. Is that a, is that something that UTSA fans kind of look at as Daniel Holgerson continues to flounder at uh, at Houston and say like, uh oh, that could be that could be where he goes. I did until Saturday last Saturday. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, now he's he's zero two, I think, against. How's he going to succeed? Yeah, a guy it's, that he's it's lost hard, twice it's hard to, to yeah, get your donors right. on a guy that has beat you twice. You know, or you beat them twice in a row. It's not going to feel like a real upgrade, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that job would be pretty enticing to trailer. I think anytime he can jump up to that P five level and stay in state, that's going to be you know pretty serious. But I mean, Baylor. I mean. I mean, hey, we beat Baylor once, and now they're going to fire their head coach. That's he crazy. has a huge buyout. They signed up to like a massive extension, <laughs> but did. like, keep an eye on that. Keep an That's eye true. on it, right? Yeah. I, they, I thought it was going to be A&M of, too. There's a lot of parallels between Jeff Trailer and the Baylor man. Jeff Trailer walks around, you know, with his Bible in hand. I mean, it's it, it really, really kind of makes sense on paper. Yeah, I can't wait. East, to, it's not East Texas, but it's closer to East Texas than San Antonio. So, yeah. I cannot well, I wait to really uh, get off point. the Zoom and talk to the guys at Baylor and be like, congratulations to the Jeff Trailer hire, guys. Yeah, But, Andrew, Sorry. I think you bring yeah. up a good point about the headache thing, man, because a UT, a Texas A&M, like, you're under so much scrutiny and so much pressure from these donors and boosters that want immediate results, unrealistic timeline for results. And, uh, the, and, and those programs, a lot of times when they're inherited by a new coach, there's so much broken that needs to be repaired before you can even start moving forward that that in itself takes too much time to please those donors. Like it just seems like a massive headache to go and be a head coach at one of those schools. And, and, and uh, that's why, that's why when I think about trailer, because he's not going from everything I've seen and understand from him, he is the type of guy that's like, let me play football and leave me alone. I don't want to have to deal with all the other BS. I don't want to have to go talk to Greg Abbott. You know, I don't want to have to go, drink the A&M Kool-Aid, you know, and go to the cult uh, meetings. I don't want to deal with that. Oh, I think I just... you would love that part of it. <laughs> you think so? Jeff Trailer would crush it at Midnight Yell for sure. For but sure. I, I definitely agree, like, when it comes to the fundraising from the political aspect, that yeah. that's the thing that he's complained about the most at UTSA is, like, he doesn't like to ask for money. He doesn't like to do that fundraising aspect of it that is just expected of a head coach, right? So, And that's I, I why think, I, like, I think, I think it, like, places like, like Houston are really good because – the only place where Tom Herman has had success is at the University of Houston because he could be himself and nobody bothered him. He could be Paul Wall. He could just hang out with the grill in his mouth and nobody was going to question it. They were like, all right, yeah, dude, you're a genius offensive guy. You figure it out. I, I think Trailer do the same thing in Houston where it's like nobody's going to bother you. You you go be a coog, and then in like three or four years, you're playing for a Big 12 championship game and we're talking about Jeff Trailer is one of the best coaches in college football. Versus at UTSA, where look, I, I like again, guy grew up rooting for UTSA. I remember when they started the program. I, I really, there's guys from my high school that played on the first UTSA team. UTSA, yeah, the best team in the group of five, you know, maybe. Um, I, I, I don't think that, and I, I think that a trailer wants to get to that next level. If he wants to like wet his whistle at like the next level of competitiveness. 
the in-state schools that aren't Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, A&M, Houston feels like the best option. Oh, that Baylor, I've had time yeah. to marinate on that Baylor take, and that makes a lot of sense now. Mm-hmm. So, thank you guys for pointing that out. I, could, I couldn't imagine if his like recruiting style just got a blank check, basically, from you know <laughs> Baylor. Well, that that is another thing that's interesting about trailer moving to like a Houston or a Baylor, right? Is like he's been very vocal that like UTSA was at the top of conference USA when it comes to like financial investment and stuff like that. And now they're not in the AAC, right? It's going to take time to to catch up if they catch up. Uh, But then are you going to go to another program that's going to be middle of the pack or bottom of the pack when it comes to financial investment and at your new school, if you were to leave? Um, So that's another thing that's interesting to me as well, because like he's going to have the same problems at Baylor and Houston, because you're going to be behind like Texas tech spends a lot more in NIL uh than you know baylor or u of h right so it's just like as a head coach there's all these problems you have to deal with and you kind of have to pick which one you want to be more of the headache right and he he probably already spends more time than he wants to talking about we need more money in his press conferences (laughs) as is like you imagine him in the houston recruiting area though could you imagine like because that that's the Mm -hmm. thing that wets my wit like makes me like excited for that possibility because if he can recruit Houston already at like a, a UTSA, he's recruiting Houston well, recruiting mm-hmm. Dallas well, recruiting San Antonio incredibly well, right? If he can turn that around at Houston and keep those same roots everywhere, he could turn sure. he could turn that into something. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. So, what is your prediction for Saturday, guys? I don't know. I think I have UTSA winning like by three, four points. I think the spread is ridiculously high. It's like twelve. Last I checked, sure, yeah. I don't know about all that, but I think UTSA's offense is going to rebound pretty well compared to how they played against Houston. Well, Houston's defense was great. You know, UTSA messed up a lot on offense. They were not clean. They were not sharp. But Houston's defense was strong. Um, so I don't know. I think something like thirty-four to thirty-one, something like that for UTSA, just kind of riding that home crowd advantage, and you know, maybe a bit of a letdown spot for Texas State coming off the big Power Five win. I mean, UTSA has been in that spot before. Like you get that P five win and. You know, everyone's coming up to your class and, you know, the media attention and all of that. Not uh, Texas but de- State. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it is very hard to feel, like, really comfortable uh, for this game. Just, you know, how well Texas State played last week, for sure. Well, it might not be much of a home advantage, too. There's a lot of Texas State Bobcats in San Antonio now. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't take a lot of visiting fans to get loud in that stadium with the roof. So Especially because you guys, you know, uh, pipe in, you know, just cheering sounds and stuff. Right? That's <laughs> what I've heard, at least. <laughs> for, for Dana Holgerson for yeah. Dana Holgerson yeah no man I mean I remember that first contest in 2012 it was it was jam-packed with Texas State and UTSA fans man and I mean dude it, it doesn't fail for these two teams to meet up on the gridiron and without some fisticuffs flying on the concourse or in the parking lot throughout the game so, will be sure. some yeah, arrests dude, made for sure it's absolutely it's absolutely it's big time it's big time rivalry we love it and Head on a swivel it's great that y'all beat Baylor last week man but I don't give a damn if y'all beat Georgia, if y'all beat Alabama. Y'all ain't beating UTSA. Okay, it's not gonna if we did Saturday. those two things, it's not we gonna would happen beat the shit Saturday. out of UTSA. It's not happening in the Alamo Dome on Saturday, boys. This thing is going to 5-0 and Roadrunners. That's but barely even is, y'all's home stadium. I think Jared's absolutely right. It's uh, going to be high-flying, dude, like uh, like the, the one with Tyler Vitt, the one that went to OT in 2020. Um, and even going back to that 2012 one, that one was a back and forth, real close matchup. So yeah, it's going to be back and forth. It's a one possession game. I think we see a lot of points scored. Uh, I think the UTSA is going to correct a lot of the mistakes that they made. And 
ultimately get up there and, and push those UIW boys around one more time. Yeah. Who's I the backup quarterback at UTSA? We don't really know. Uh, Frank Harris went in the tent for a little bit last week, and Eddie Lee Marburger was warming up, but they have yeah. him as like an or uh, with Owen McCown, the Colorado transfer. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I, Taylor I, has a whole like history with the McCown family, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. Big time. Mm hmm. Okay, no. I, I'm just that, curious. That's the next Frank Harris, honestly. If we I might, yeah, I, I'm just curious if we might see him on Saturday. Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think uh, I don't know if you had asked me before last week if Texas State had a chance in this game. No, I had Baylor and UTSA as both L's, and then we were just going to try to shoot four, six, and six in the SBC. So I don't know, but now. I'm pretty bullish on the Bobcats. The game has changed. I think they got a chance, and that's all we needed. My girlfriend asked me, you know, before I headed to Waco last week, are they going to win? And I was like, I think they have a chance. They have a shot at least. We'll see if it works. And now the pieces can work. Uh, you know, I think Dion proved it, and Kenny proved it too at a lower level. Did y'all kick any field goals against Baylor? What was the uh, what was the place nope, kicking? No field goals. State? No. Uh, Kenny Kenny's a red zone machine, man. Six TDs, huh? Yeah, they they ran like a running back mesh play for I think their first or second touchdown, which is the absolute thing of beauty. Like it's un, un unguardable, undefendable. We had like a seventy five yard breakaway touchdown too on the run. So that I've never seen that happen at Texas State either. This team is unrecognizable. Like if you froze mm -hmm. me in a cryogenic chamber from twenty nineteen, the last full season I covered for Texas State at college, and then you had me come out try to cover that same team, wouldn't know what the hell to do. TJ Finley too, man. That like the quarterback play that we're getting from that guy in just one game. If he can re if he can recreate that, what eleven more times, and hit fifty percent of the time to play at that level, this is a team that's going to win eight games. Like he is that he was that good in that game. So you don't, need, if, you don't even need to be that. If he's half that good, you guys are going to win the Sun Belt West. Yeah. Don't 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 put don't put that bad juju on me. I, I still know, I, know. I still stand by this that the Sun Belt and again I, you guys whatever but like I, the Sun Belt is not an offensive conference. It is a defense first conference, True. and every yeah. defense in the league looks at Texas State and goes, "We're going to hold them under twenty five points, twenty four points. We're we're going to try to make sure they're uncomfortable the whole time." And I try to tell Texas State fans that that when Troy and South Alabama come on the schedule. The idea that we're going to put 50 points up is, to me, insane. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So, you beat Baylor. I'm happy we beat Baylor. We did the, uh, you know, tear the clothes off, run around the apartment look. But we need to uh, we need to get, like, you know, focus up on UTSA, win week two, win week three, win week four, and then when Sunbelt Sun Conference time comes around, just know that if it turns into a ground-and-pound game, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked when Southern Miss – is you know running the ball on third and three for picking up three and a half yards per carry guys like because it's gonna get ugly i can promise you troy's defense is better than baylor's <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so good <laughs> i i'm i'm upset how good troy is man ridiculous I mean, you guys played them in the cure bowl and still mm -hmm. looking for the first bowl win the how group of five national you... championship yeah how how upset would you all be if Texas State won a bowl before you guys did? Oh, that would be pretty brutal for sure. Didn't even <laughs> consider that scenario. Yeah. I know. <laughs> bye, bye, Miss America. Bye. So the I was thinking about that when we were talking to you guys. I was like, what if Texas State wins seven games, gets one of those first bowl games, gets a win, but UTSA is playing like closer to December thirty first. So technically, it was like a bowl win before. Just like, because I thought about that. I was like, wouldn't that be insane? Right. 
That would right. be great. It could happen. <laughs> it could. It it's could a scary be. reality. It could happen. It is a reality. Sweet. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I think yeah, that's thanks for all for having us on. Appreciate it. What's up, guys? We're taking an ad time break. If you're watching the video podcast, you might have noticed my jersey. I'm not telling you where I got this. Actually, I think I'm legally obligated not to because Zimmel got it from an offshore place. Anyway, that's not the point. If you want something that's a fire fit that'll get you all juiced up for Texas State this year, go to EliteSports.com. There you can support, actually, athletes that come from Texas State with their own custom brands, their own version of what Texas State is, uh, modeled after themselves. You know, they got a bunch of custom looks for you. Uh, head to EliteSports.com, use code SQUARE at checkout, you help out the show. And teaser, we got a really special project with them coming out. Ooh, I don't know what, I don't want to say when, but I, I will tell you, it'll be really awesome. So looking forward to that. Uh, EliteSports.com, use code SQUARE at checkout. I'm still riding high off Baylor. And as I said in, you know, our pod, our pod Square in the Rounds version <laughs> to get into the Taylor Swift content. Um you know, I think I, I want to change all my predictions already. I, I'm super bullish on this team or bearish, bullish, bearish, whatever the financial term means good um, is on this team. I mean, they look fucking insane. And Frank Harris only has one leg. So that is going to be the thing that's, that separates this game. If TJ Finley can outplay Frank Harris slash not be hurt, <laughs> then we are in a, we're in a really good spot now. I still have the Texas State Bobcats losing this game. I know I'm going to be the wet blanket here. I'm going to say the Texas State drops this game, wins the next two, goes into conference three and one, the best that they've ever gone into Sunbelt Conference play, by the way, but whatever. Um, I'm going to go with three and one uh, in a loss of the Alamo Dome. It's going to be close. Dude, I am writing about this game all fucking week, not just for DCTF, but for my day job at Ken's Five. Like, I've... The, the thing that everybody wants to talk about this week is the relationship between G.J. Kenny and Jeff Trailer. And there's nobody that tells that story better than Mike Craven. He's got to, to sum up that story really quickly. In you know, when G.J. was in high school, his dad got shot in the locker room by this disgruntled parent. Very Friday Night Lights show. At one point, you know, G.J. was told by a police officer, hey, your dad de is dead, you know. And so then he, he comes back. Eventually, his dad ends up coaching at Baylor. Uh, for GJ's senior year. So GJ transfers to Jeff Trailer's Gilmer High and, you know, wins the starting job there. And then, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the relationship that those two have, GJ was in Trailer's son's wedding, you know? So they're super tight. Um, it's, it's literally Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know? You were the chosen one. Uh, and I think GJ is the chosen one here. So you have them beating UTSA. Yeah, book it. Okay. And Frank Harris will again upset me because I will probably take him for yards passing and he might throw three picks again. I don't know. Do you have a score for us? Score? I think it's going to be lower scoring, but like higher stats, you know? So like, I think TJ will probably throw for about the same, like 260 plus. He threw 298 at Baylor and I think it's going to be like 35, 28 or something at the end of it, Texas State. Okay, I have 35-24 uh, TUTSA. But so. both teams are going to be in it the whole time, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, this, gonna be be a this is the Frank Harris revenge tour game. Yeah. Number one number one Texas State podcast in Colombia. Shout in out Columbia, to us. And Thailand and Nigeria and Canada. And uh, well, there's another one. Did I say Thailand already? Whatever. Your boy Matt Stepp is taking us up to, to Canada with him, huh? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. Shout out, Step. Thanks, guys. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Better not come any closer. Thanks for listening. New episodes out every Thursday. Follow the boys on Twitter. Eat them up. Eat them up. Eat them up.